Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we're 25-year Wall Street veterans who get together on Fridays, uh, go through the Value Line Investment Survey. Uh, we may have a couple of uh, drinks. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, we take on secret identities. Our bosses won't allow us to give our candid views here. So we've disguised our voices, and uh, we come here each week to... Uh, talk about Value Line's recent issue. This week we're looking at the February 9th, 2007th edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. What do you think of that, uh, Vern? Uh, I think we want to remind everybody that we do these. Uh, this is really for entertainment purposes. And uh, do you think anyone is ever actually entertained? <laughs> that, uh, and well, we're, I am. We're doing our best. We're we're trying to we're trying to uh, provide some insight into how. You know, Wall Street people might think about some interesting stocks. Well, we've been in the business a long time, and what we try to do here is give the same candid advice we've given to our institutional clients and our capital markets clients Using over the many the same years. Using tools and value line. Right, and only Except, value uh, line. Well, here we only use value yeah, line. Right. In our uh, actual uh, real jobs, we use a variety and of if tools. If you'd like to read more about us, go to our website at www.thevalueguys.com. But uh, a couple caveats. Uh, here, we've most likely been drinking, so we don't do that typically during the week, at least not in the mornings. You may. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, this is Val. I'll be back toward the back end of the show here. I've got, uh, I'm not feeling that well this week, frankly, Vern. You look great, though. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, appreciate that a lot. I was, I spent a lot of time in makeup for the show here. But uh, I've got, I'm coming back with a couple things. You can't tell. I've got natural. Thank you. Uh, makeup, please. No. Uh, the, I've owned all the stocks I'm going to talk about this week, which is fun for me because it takes me no time to do. AutoZone, uh, Williams-Sonoma, TJX, I'm going to talk about them uh, back half of the show. But right now I'd like to introduce my colleague, uh, yeah, Vern Value. Vern, what else is there to that's say? That's it, Vern. Yes, is, Vern's the name. All right, take it away. Uh, thanks. Give the people Val. what they want. Thanks, Val. This is an interesting week in Value Line. It's the uh, retail. Uh, what we have apparel, we have shoes, we have stores, we have a, uh, even retail automotive. You're going to do an automotive. I've one. covered most of the stocks on this list actually in print. Well, I've never covered. Time. I've never covered any of them, but I have owned some of them. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's stocks list. like any other stock, and I think I can. Have at it. No, have at it. Listen, sometimes you don't know as much as other times. Same with me. That's what's entertaining about it. it, it, People can have fun poking holes in our... uh, You know, send us an email, by the way. I want to say a couple of things. I'm not done with my introduction, actually. They work... I mean, a lot of our ideas have worked pretty good. You know, we're having a good period in here, although today, Friday, I was down 1%. But uh, I'll tell you, the the names that I own that we've been talking about, they're working, but they're based on the, you know, tried and true principles of our... Uh, you know, honored financial forebearers uh, such as Ben Graham, uh, Buffett, those sorts of uh, people who basically look at cash flows over time and try to figure out what the businesses are worth. That's what we do here, and it's been working for everybody. Um, but uh, what I wanted to say to the yeah, people what? was, I'm getting confused, was we have a couple things going on on the site I want to draw your attention to. One is we have a survey. We'd like you to come and fill that out. It helps us make a better show. And secondly, and there's something in it for you if you do. Yeah, we have a, a free gift. And secondly, we answer emails, and we've been getting some uh, requests to do a, a portion of the show where we answer uh, 
questions about stocks, and we'd entertain that. You can send it to Vern at thevalueguys.com or uh, or Val at thevalueguys.com, and that one will work better. I that actually would be know two choices. I actually know how to Val retrieve my email uh, off of there. And anyway, he knows how to retrieve mine as well. Yeah, I, but I no, I don't. I don't know if I do. But okay. anyway, okay, over right. to you. Survey Vern website. Value. Got yeah. it. Bed Bath and Beyond symbol BBBY. Um, sells a broad range of competitively priced name brand domestics are 47% of sales. Home furnishings, 53%, uh, including bed linens, towels, cookware, and housewares. I, seriously, anybody that can hear my voice, never been in a bed, bath, and beyond? Well, I guess that would be true because we do have a small international audience, for which we're very grateful. And if you haven't ever been in a bed, bath, and beyond, um, it's a very interesting place. A lot of uh, a lot of skews, as they say in the retail business. Lots and lots of stuff, and the average price is I don't know. It can't be more than you know ten bucks or fifteen. Well, it's a big store, like and what these guys successfully did was they carved out a big piece of business that used to kind of be in the department stores. And when you had stuff in department stores, also in the it, also in drug stores, yeah, and drug, a little bit yeah. of uh, Kmart, kind of low end discount place. Anyway, go ahead, department. No, stores. No, I mean go you know ahead. department stores have had to go high end they because the they have such a high end environment, uh, and people who buy toasters don't necessarily want to chip into the rent for a. You know, for for teak flooring. So Bed Bath has filled a great niche, and it's helped America get a lot of stuff. But if that's you're for sure. and it, but if you're interested in buying a toaster, you'd rather not have to go to. Uh, I mean, for a lot of people, would rather not have to go to a Walmart or a Target, and park a quarter mile from the front door and walk to the you know far corner of the store. Well, their to, collections aren't as focused, and either. they won't have as many choices. Right. And Here at you, Bed Bath and Beyond, even though they carry a lot of merchandise. Everything's kind of small. It's very well merchandised. They use very high uh, storage uh, merchandising in, you know, to take advantage of the heights of the stores. And it's not so bad to walk around a Bed Bath and Beyond. And that's part of what I like about them and what I like about the stock is the shopping experience. It's very well merchandised. Because no there's a lot of a lot of commodity products that are, uh, you know, ultimately going to be served in other channels. Uh, but Bed Bath & Beyond's kind of found a way to capture a whole bunch of stuff that people like to go actually see, um, and in part because it's going to litter their homes. And it's if, you can, if it's easy to go see it and feel it and touch it. Um, well, I'll tell you this. I something I some learned in, in this area is a bunch of years ago, the fancy, nice stuff was mainly owned by just the wealthy. And then a guy in Britain named uh, Conran, I believe, uh, had the idea that, you know, the masses could have fashion, too. And uh, they brought that into the world a little bit during the 60s. And that was brought on by Conran's really... Conran's Habitat. Yeah, yeah. Well, it started in the U.K., came here. It kind of handed off to a variety of people that picked that up. Pier 1 was early in on that in terms of fashion for the masses, although they lost their way a little bit here because Target opened sort of a Pier 1 department, which uh, was a problem. <laughs> but no, Bed Bath is in that spirit. They're saying, you know, uh, stuff that's nice and attractive and makes your home a nice place doesn't have to be expensive, and let's get our distribution costs low, let's get our marketing costs low, let's not pay a lot for square footage, and let's give the people good value for these nice things for their home. It's their That's their mission, and they've done it well. Their returns are off the charts. They're one of the highest return on capital companies in retailing. That's what I'd want to nice. focus on. Nice segue. Uh, yeah, 12, talk about it. It's, they're <laughs> about oh, they're 12, unbelievable. About a $12 billion market cap company with no debt, 
return on total capital, 25%. I've got 10 years of history here from Value Line. The worst number in a recession, 20%. They're fabulous. Their net margins uh, used to run around 7%. Now they run close to 10 Operating margins. Economies of scale and distribution. Above 15%. Uh, terrific. Now you got to pay. Products from the Chinese. You're probably thinking, oh my goodness, a, uh, a, a growing retailer with a uh, uh, strength in a defensible niche uh, that's in great financial shape and delivers huge returns. You know, what What kind of premium do I pay for that? I'll, you pay a market multiple is what you pay. Yeah. There's a lot of right great now. companies right now selling uh, at a track. And it's price, interesting. No if you question. look at the chart, I mean, the stock really in absolute terms has gone sideways since uh, 2003, basically. Well, it got overvalued back then. But if then. you go back to 2002, 2003, at that time, this thing was priced at like three times revenue. Right. It's half that now, about one and a half times. And with the stock, even though it's been up in recent months, I guess, and now it's around 41 um, it has traded substantially higher in the last couple of years, and I think ready, you know, maybe ready for a breakout here, maybe ready to break this long period of underperformance. Well, the interesting thing about that chart to me, you just pointed it out, I'll yeah. just say it another way, is the business continues to be strong. They've added, you know, more than the company in size was five years ago. They've doubled the size of it. R returns are the same, and yet uh, the stock market has just simply lowered the multiple. The business itself is as good as ever, uh, be, you know, in, in well, terms of the behind the Numbers. It's actually better. Better, than it right? Was. Margins are improving. And they, uh, they're growing something that they is. I've never heard of this called Christmas tree shop. Are you familiar with it? But if no. if this is a uh, an actual organized retail effort to take advantage of uh, selling people Christmas ornaments. Uh, this is, a, I would think, a tremendous idea because Americans are gaga about uh, decorating. Well, what retailers that, love uh, to do is get a category that they're known uh, for. People, people drive from states away to these big places. Have you ever been to Frankenmuth, Michigan? They have a Can't place say there I called Honest. No. <laughs> um, seriously, is the size of you know a couple city blocks. Yeah. No, but I mean, just all you have to do is think: Is there a go-to place in your mind for Christmas trees that's a chain? And if the answer is no, that means there's an opportunity, uh, and, and maybe these guys are going to go like after these that. These guys are going to go after it. So I like uh, Bed Bath and Beyond a lot. Um, the uh, valuation is 12 to 13 times gross cash flow. So uh, it's not mm. it's not cheap. It's not dirt cheap. But, but this is guys a very high-quality yeah. name to be able to buy at a market multiple with no debt on their no balance debt. sheet. Right. And you're thinking, well, if they're such great operators, is there anything else out there that might make sense to go with that? This is another stock I like, PetSmart, symbol P-E-T-M. How are we doing on time here? I have no I'm, idea. We're doing fine. Uh, recently, $30. This is a $4 billion market cap, uh, nation's largest retailer of pet food supplies and services, with over 800 superstores in the U.S. and Canada. And uh, uh, the stock around 30, let's see, it's traded as high as 36 last couple of years. This is a 10% premium to the market. Um, company generates good cash flow now. Operating margins are up above 10% finally. Gross margins have been moving up pretty steadily over a long period of time. I mean, this is a, this is a real trend. This isn't a one-shot wonder. They've gone from sort of... Uh, you know, 26, 27 range to low mid 30s right now. Return on capital has risen nicely. It's running, has been running 14 to 15 percent now for four years in a row. So again, it looks like they really stabilized the model. They did have some operating problems late 90s. They kind of overgrew 
at one point, I believe, was Well, there was some very fierce competition, and I think that uh, as that shook out, some of these companies, they backed away from grabbing market share, and they all figured out that that was not a good idea for the industry. I think they're more, as a group, interested in profits now. So there's a little bit more happy, sense. friendly, well, you the know, other, the other operator, competition. Uh, Petco had terrific uh, financials before it was taken out. Uh, this company has been delivering well recently. Value Line talks about new store growth, remodeling stores, and a greater emphasis on service, pet grooming. This is our favorite idea um, uh, for this industry niche. Really, for a lot of it, we'd love to see service businesses because what they can mean for return on you capital. You mean you when you say we. And, okay, I just want to make you sure. You don't like service businesses? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think that. I didn't even hear what you were saying, actually. I was looking at something else. Well, I know one of your favorite themes is demographics. Yes, sir. Baby yes, boomers it is. are older. Yes. I, they, have, uh, they have lots of pets. They can afford pets. They like to have oh, well, pets. Well, the reason I said that is I don't, I've had trouble with this all along. Yet I thought they don't that, like to wash their pets, and they don't like to have to cut their pets' hair. I never understood these pet things, I have to say, because why couldn't Home Depot... The things that I worry about is if some other company could just add a department, like when called the Baskin, pet department. Well, see, part of the yeah. experience of these when Baskin Robbins added yogurt, your, you know, it's the end. You can take your pet in the store with you. Right? Yeah, I don't know. And, I don't have a pet. That's why I don't get. And they that. also sell pets, not just the. In any event, they've done well. I have to. I agree. found myself thinking. I mean, there's uh, Bed Bath and Beyond surely has some pet products in their stores. Maybe even a small mm, section. I don't know. PetSmart could probably use some of the things that Bed Bath & Beyond has in their stores. Like things dog Things to tidy up around the dog. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Comb the dog's hair. I for sure. No, that's going to be great. And they're and I like they're both very. Are nice. you proposing are some niches. type of combination? These are leaders. Here? I like the two put together. Really? Well, let's call them up. There's a fee involved. For, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in is college, about eleven times cash look, flow. Look, here's an idea. One times revenue only. So if I can you mark call that these companies up, up you propose one this. and a half that Bed Bath and you take a fee. It's that easy, it really is. Right. If I could get one and a half instead of one, then the stock's 45 instead of 30. You know why I don't think that necessarily would make sense, other than just if there's some arbitrage on the multiples, is I don't know how much uh, synergy you have between those two companies. The, you're not going to want. They're both going to. You're they, not going to want any human stuff. The challenge is very similar between the but two. But you can't over. You, you can't reuse any of the assets. You don't want any human stuff anywhere. Any pet stuff has been. The only like, stuff I need to worry about is the food. I think. I think all the what other about products. The pet clothes. What difference if it's a rag? If it's kind of wadded up like no. in the shape of a dog bone. You're going to have the FDA or somebody. A, no, I don't. All think over so. you. I, you're wrong about. In any event, they're both good ideas independently, but uh, yes, I like the that. idea of uh, PetSmart as a target for wow. somebody. Uh, my third idea this week, cost plus, symbol is CPWMs, five rated by Value Line. They just lowered their rating. The stock has lost 80% of its value since a high in late 2003 of nearly $50, 10 bucks recently, Okay. Uh, Ouch. 20% of sales. I got $50 of sales per share, $10 stock price. Uh, I have $14 of book value. So it's about 70% of book. 
Hmm. They uh, they earned ninety two cents a share in two thousand five. They had gross cash flow over two dollars a share in two thousand five. In oh six, they had some problems. They lost a little bit of money, forty cents a yeah. share. Cash flow dipped to a dollar fifteen. I, I'm assuming these, these numbers are going to be you know pretty close to reality. Um, now, Value Line thinks they're going to make a little bit of money in two thousand seven, and cash flow improves. If this is the bottom for the number, then I'm talking about a valuation right now that's nine times my my trough in gross cash flow, uh, five times the number the value line's looking for for 07. I mean, maybe it takes a little bit longer, but I don't know why the in the uh, concept be completely broken. They're uh, you know they're focused on maybe a little lower average price point than Pier One. Hmm. They've been using food and beverage to bring people in the door, well, and that's apparently uh, hurt profitability. That category, there's a little history here. Uh, Cost Plus and Pier One actually came out of the same company in the early '60s, out of the Tandy organization. They split their different ways. Cost Plus stayed a small store in San Francisco area. Pier One became the chain that we all know and went through some different, you know, morphs through that time. But about 10 years ago, Cost Plus came out as this cool, hip San Francisco thing. Cost Plus, you know, was the importer. It was like Pier One looked in the 60s. A lot of stuff from... Uh, Crate and Barrel in the uh, 70s. Uh, no, 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 more stuff you'd see in an Indian bazaar. And Crate and Barrel was always sort of houseware stuff. These guys Guys would have all kinds of wacky stuff in there, and and what I think has happened, it also happened. Painted elephants made out of yeah, tin, right, kind of yeah. yeah. Uh, Pier One and Cost Plus right now are facing a problem, which is that everybody else is getting into China. They used to have some advantages in sourcing out of Asia. They had deep, you know, relationships and all. Now everybody's in China. Their big edge of shopping all the bazaars in those areas in Thailand and Malaysia and all that are gone. Everybody's over there. Target has a department that you could literally call the Pier 1 department if you wanted to, and I think Cost Plus is coming under that same pressure. That's Everyone's wondering right, but that. The, the thing that's different, and I looked at Pier 1 as an idea, but the thing I liked about Cost Plus is they, they're building this gourmet food and beverage identity, including a wine and uh, coffee department that are both you know fairly extensive. And well, I like the idea that if they can figure out what the merchandise mix is to go with the people that are coming in to uh, have these broader selections of you know a little bit exotic kind of foodstuffs, that the ability to buy that at you know, a discount to book value could turn out to have been. So a maybe good they create a, a Starbucks type thing, and they sell goods and merchandise maybe, and mine or you know, wine around. Serving uh, actually serving some of the product in the store. Maybe that's the key to it. But I like the idea that uh, you know the balance sheet. It really very modest leverage. Twenty three percent debt. This says they're covering interest seven times, even though they're they're losing money. So. I, I I think you know the risk profile here it looks pretty reasonable with a lot of potential upside. Small market cap, so 225 million. Um, you know, I guess risky, obviously. Well, but. one thing that mitigates risk is that this valuation, you know, that within cost plus, maybe a third of the stores are losing money. I don't think it's that high, right. but there's some core number of stores that are very high ROI yes. stores, and you can always crunch down to that. Uh, a chain this big can also use different neighborhoods for testing, and you know may maybe they will get it right if the balance sheet can hold up. Uh, yeah, right. So anyway, that's what I had. I have three retailers. I actually like all three of them, and uh, with that, I'm going to pass it over to uh, uh, to uh, my dear colleague Val Hughes. Thank you, everyone. 
I mean, I mean, Vern. I'm not feeling that well this week, everyone. I don't know why. I just I hurt myself earlier, and I've taken some uh, medicine, but uh, my back is hurting right now. That might not be a good idea with the drinking. Well, I I people are forewarned. You know, we're trying to use the same professional tools we use for our professional institutional clients, and we have. I mean, we're serious uh, guys out here. But not right now. We have been drinking, and so let's just make that disclosure. But even still, uh, I'm going to disclose every stock I'm going to talk about this week I own. I, I think they all uh, are undervalued. And I'm just going to go in order. A lot of retailers this, this week, you know, to me, uh, retailing in general is just about getting the customer what they want. So generally, uh, people who have some type of edge over other people so they can monopolize what it is people want or they can get it to people more efficiently. Um, you know, these are the people that are going to survive. And so franchises or low-cost producers tend to be more attractive than, oh, look, someone has the best-selling uh, hat this year. I mean, that's the one I wouldn't tend to buy. Um, and sometimes that gives you opportunities. If someone's actually getting a fashion mistake, uh, and the you know, Wall Street analysts are kind of paid to jump on the, you know, quick trade, uh, you're going to see that thing at an opportunity to buy it when you when you sit back and you look at a low-cost distribution system, uh, low-cost sourcing because of volume, you know, low-cost marketing because of economies of scale and national advertising and things like that. So uh, I always like to make the analogy that um, a store is like a, a good theater, and just if a movie's bad, which might be a bad season in fashion, you know, if you have good popcorn and comfortable seats, people are going to come back. And uh, and so I think there are some opportunities out there. Uh, the one I really like this week I want to start off with and talk a little about. I usually go in page order, but I'm not this week. I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, Williams-Sonoma, page 1772, WSM. The theme for me on this one is just a desire for indoor comfort in the face of demographics and rising wealth around the world. Um, William Sonoma owns the Pottery Barn brand, which, you know, during the 90s became synonymous with uh, a sort of uh, orchestrated good taste. So there's certainly plenty of people out there that have their own tastes and their own fashion, and there's plenty of eclectic stores to go to and create your own look and feel. Uh, but, you know, the mass of Americans, you know, in Kansas or wherever they are, uh, they, they need help. And uh, they don't feel at all confident. They don't. Not that I do. I'm not trying to be like that. But, you know, William Sonoma came along and people like this. And what they became was an arbiter of, of sort of mass taste. Again, I was talking about Conrad's earlier. It's sort of their point of view that good fashion for the masses is something that uh, as you move up Maslow's hierarchy of needs is somewhere you know, it's somewhere above food and shelter, but, you know, it's somewhere below exotic travel. And so there's a little spot in there, particularly as people get wealthier. Um, one of the uh, advantages they have is over the course of the last 20 years, they've built the most efficient distribution system in the business to deliver a bunch of stuff from Asia into your house. And uh, they can deliver it to you direct to your house to show up in your mailbox, or they can send it to a nearby store that has a coffee shop you like. You know, and you can put it in your in your back seat if you want. You know, it's uh, they're trying to get what you want to you, and then they layer on top of that a lot of terrific science. And the way they do that 
is they have a catalog and they can tell by what people respond to what people like and they can target you with what your needs are they can do tests before you ever see a catalog they can pick some city somewhere in Iowa or Illinois where it matches the demographics of America and they can test pricing and color and uh, you know page count and copy and etc so they've got their own little built-in laboratory uh, and then the final economy of scale they have is just on sourcing they can they buy so big uh, that they uh, they have low cost just of goods. Okay, so that's a lot of advertising for William Sonoma. Just like uh, a stock that uh, Vern talked about uh, a minute ago, Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, who I think is also very good. Certainly, uh, they sell different goods than William Sonoma. You know, that might be an interesting combination. Frankly, mm. uh, high end, mid end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Uh, but in any case, uh, here's a great retailer, uh, and they're right now selling at one of the best valuations they've ever sold at, a value line showing an estimate of 345 a share in gross cash flow for this year, and the stock's at 34 At least this is, who knows, I think this is Wednesday's close. It might be down a little bit from that. The market was down today. Ten times gross cash flow. Uh, you know, again, on retailers, these guys don't, value line doesn't give you a, a cap X. Uh, but their store growth is about 5 to 7%. They're trading right at a market multiple. When you look back over time, there's not a year that goes by that it doesn't sell at a premium. And the smallest premium on average, these are relative P.E. Uh, ratios on average, the smallest one is 10%, which means it's got to swing between 0.9 and 1.3, everybody, to get to 1.1, right? And right now it's at 1. So... Uh, every year for the last 20, it's been up 10% from here. These guys have a you know mid-teens return on total capital. Uh, it has been coming down as they've responded a little bit to pricing of uh, we were talking about Target and Room and Board and Restoration and some of the people that come have come after them. They've also had a little bit of a brain drain from their friends across the Bay uh, Restoration Hardware who have carved out some niches and they've taken some people. Uh, and but they're good too. There's room for two of these guys working on science to get low customer acquisition costs, deliver quality goods at a market multiple. Um, Let's see, what else did I say here? Uh, the fashion element right now, the rub on Williams-Sonoma, you know, the relative performance here is pretty weak. They missed a couple of seasons here. They had the wrong products in the wrong place at the wrong time, and people wanted blue, and they had pink or something like that. I'm not a fashion horse or anything. But they missed the style. Well, guess what? Their, uh, their advantages in sourcing and locations and uh, marketing Good Lord, those and information are easy problems you right. can fix those in one year right. in fashion it's like a movie so the movie's Lord, bad like a, a new movie comes in that right. spent 3 years developing a product only to watch it fall so flat on i face. think that you know wall street in general is looking the wrong place on these retailers like william sonoma they're looking at fashion and when the fashion's wrong they sell down the stock and the fashion is mainly random. They have smart buyers like other firms trying to pick the right fashion, just like Scorsese's trying to win an Oscar. And you pick the movie, and you don't always get it. And so, But next year, maybe they'll get it, and eventually they'll get it enough well, time. Well, but you have to admit they, they're losing a little of their distinction compared with the home housewares department at Target, for example. Places like that are, have upgraded their product offerings. Well, the mass market is catching up a little bit, but... Uh, you know that is a good point, and that but that's fully reflected in in the multiple, in my opinion. They're still generating great returns. Anyway, William Sonoma, WSM, page seventeen seventy two. 
Uh, and then here's another one. Um, it actually comes earlier in the page count, but I saved it for second because I wasn't quite as passionate about it, although I am pretty passionate about it, and I own it. TJX, ticker TJX. Now, these guys, what's my theme on this one? It's kind of a dual-edged theme. Uh, one theme is people don't like to overpay for stuff, and the other theme is I like monopolies. So it's kind of a, a dual theme this week. Well, what's the, what's the monopoly? These guys have about a 70 or 80% market share in the discount off-price brands by major uh, designer brands. And, you know, the role they play is that in a world where... Are you sure about that? I mean, all the outlet malls coast to coast would... Well, stores have their own outlet stores. I'm not counting that. Okay. I'm well, talking would, about independent. part of the same market? If Well, uh, you're catching a different shopper. If you know you want uh, a Nordstrom brand or something, you'd go to a Nordstrom outlet. These guys carry all the major brands, and so in that sense, they're unique. There's no discount house where you can ca catch all uh, the major brands that, you know, maybe three months ago, two months ago, one month ago were sitting in the high end of your uh, major department store. They have a pretty much of a lock on that. And the way they've done that, which I want to talk about, is this monopoly aspect. Uh, the major brands now, in order to really be successful, they need to get hits. They need to have clothes that, uh, you know, a lot of people like. And in order to do that, they have to make more styles so that uh, the chance of having a hit goes up. And so, in, you know, in order to do that, it means they have more losers. Well, more losers, you've got to find a place to send your losers so you don't hurt the price structure of uh, the, you know, the retail markup and all of that. And hello, TJX. Now, it used to be these guys have two brands. Here's the thing, TJ Maxx, and they also own Marshalls. Now, years ago, seven, eight years ago, uh, the brands would play these two companies off each other because each one knew they needed those off-price brands and they'd bid up and pay up a little bit and their gross margins weren't as high. Now it's reversed. Ralph Lauren needs these guys to offload these clothes and they're able to bid down the price. So um, they've, uh, they've, they've had a dramatically uh, stable gross margin in an industry that's probably lost a third of its gross margin over the last five years. And they're very careful about making sure the Marshall stores and the TJ Maxx stores have slightly different lines from those brands to maintain no. little yeah. monopolies with, even within the, the retail environment. Yeah. They're running 30% returns on total capital. That's even why I'm talking about it. And the reason they can do that, that's a sign of something proprietary. And the thing proprietary is that they have these brands. The monopoly would right. be worth right. the monopoly. <laughs> where the proprietary um, part They're running in. you know, mid-20% gross margins. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, a 10% operating margin in a world that, you, you know, should do six. I mean, they're really, they're really doing it well. They've got 30% uh, at the cap. And the thing about them I like is it's 10 times gross cash flow, uh, 2947. This one has not been as weak as Williams-Sonoma, but there is a little hair on it. They just had, which is probably, in my opinion, a reason to buy it right now, they just had a major security issue a few weeks ago. You might have noticed oh, in the paper right. With the credit all card these customers' credit cards are yeah. out there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they have any liability from that. I believe there's insurance and uh, there's outsourced computer services that uh, could be on the hook for that. But 
that is a little bit of hair on it. But I would buy it right into that right now. The stock's pulled back a little bit on that. Some of the smartest people on the street own the stock in a big way, uh, including Capital Research uh, and, uh, you know, some other people I don't want to mention. Uh, any case, you know, I, I, there was a point I meant to make about PetSmart. We were talking about them before. I, I couldn't help but notice that T. Rowe owns 10%. Uh, MFS owns 8%, Federated 7%, American Century 6%. Yeah, those are all smart investors. Those are all smart people. Uh, and then the final one this week for uh, for me is AutoZone, A-Z-O. Um, they are the uh, you know the, the largest. I'm just going to read what uh, Value Line are writes here. Are they the here. largest? It says so. So okay. I'm going to trust Value Line. It's the largest auto parts and accessories retailer in the U.S. They have 3,871 stores. Uh, about 60% owned, 40% leased. Hmm, okay. Well, why do I like AutoZone? I'll tell you why. They have a 27% return on capital. They sell auto parts. Uh, Value Line has this thing rated a 2, so it's a rare case where I agree with Value Line. They raised it in October of 06, so they, they called it pretty well. The stock's been in a little bit of a, of a run here. Um, one of the uh, attractive elements to this stock is they generate a ton of cash flow. If you've ever been to an auto zone, it's a bunch of concrete blocks on some corner that 20 years ago nobody would have wanted to even be on. But they put a store there because they knew people were driving there and it didn't have to be set, you know, on the best part of town. And over time, those locations have become worth more as real estate, 60% owned, so there's some good real estate value to these older sites. They're not growing locations as fast as their competitors, and they have a discipline on ROI that their competitors seem to lack. Their competitors are growing stores at a faster pace and picking up market share. So you'll hear a buzz from Wall Street, buzz, buzz, oh, they're losing market share. Well, that's true. But um, they're consciously and purposely losing market share and buying stock back instead of opening a store. Uh, instead of opening a money-losing store with our money, they're using it to buy stock back, slowly liquidating the company. Top line's still growing, though, isn't it? Uh, value line's forecasting an 8% sales growth. And when you think of cars as GDP plus something, um, you know, that's that doesn't surprise me. Uh, they have pretty good economies of scale, you know, they're a big chain and good buying, and they're still being you know, creating some innovative niches and doing some interesting things. And for, in fact, they don't own any of their, one of the innovative things they've done that I've never seen in retailing is if you go into an AutoZone store, they don't actually own anything you see. They make all their vendors pay to have stuff on all their shelves. So they have a negative working capital uh, they just spend all day beating people up with a stick about ROI, uh, vendors included, and and until recently, employees. Uh, and nobody likes to be hit with a stick. No, they don't, so they relent. Um, they've had a new management come in recently. One of the rubs on Wall Street, one of the reasons the stock's doing well is I think they've just positioned themselves a little better with the street, painting a little better story. Uh, the prior uh, CEO, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Oldland? Um, Steve Odland uh, was hired by Office Depot to do the same thing there in terms of cost cutting that he did at AutoZone over the prior six or seven years. And under his uh, guidance, the stock was kind of, you know, flattish on a, on a relative basis or down for a number of years. But now, and he wasn't that kind to the street. Now there's a new guy who's making nice to everyone and saying he's going to treat people better, and he's kind of reaping, I think, the benefits of, uh, All the, work of the prior work. But in any case, 
Uh, they're generating terrific returns, ten times cash flow. That's like a and, uh, tough that, chart to buy. That though, they, right? it, it, it's well, look at the relative chart if that one makes you feel a little better. Yeah, that makes me feel a little better. And uh, there's the the other rub on this one is it's seventy eight percent debt to capital, but that's because they're simply buying all the stock. Look in, at this relative chart. Oh, on cost plus, yeah. Well, this this company's not being taken out by Target, but these guys had AutoZone had 152 million shares in '98. No, they got 70 like, million now. People do less and less work on their own cars. Right. Well, they have uh, they have bays. You can go there, and these guys. Well, like will... you said, they they're liquidating themselves. Too. Yeah, they're liquidating themselves. So the, um, yeah. anyway, you have okay. more on that one? No, I don't. No, I, I don't. Just, I just like sticking my nose in the So Val Hughes, my favorite stock this week, uh, Williams-Sonoma, really. It's a great retailer, best, best of class in distribution costs, information to drive new locations, and sourcing at a market multiple WSM. Like all mine. Best Buy, PetSmart, great portfolio stocks, want to own them. PetSmart, maybe take out Canada at some point. Because they dominate a category, last chance, and uh, but I, I love Cost Plus at a discount to book. Mm, so I think it's going out of business. Okay, okay. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.